Yeah, I'm wrapping up our series on God at work. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've really enjoyed this series from a sort of getting to know people point of view. We've had some new speakers. Uh, we've heard about what people do for work, or what they did do for work. Uh, some real surprises and, and learning being done along the way. And I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, so I have the privilege of wrapping up um, tonight uh, what has been a really enjoyable series so far. So hopefully I don't ruin it. When I was about seven years old, I was on holiday with my family, and I asked my dad this question. Dad, can I do some jobs around the house so that you will give me some money? And he was uh, rightly cautious about child labor and getting into all that, so he just said, how about we just do pocket money like normal people do? And I was like, okay, fine. Uh, so that was my first experience of asking for money in exchange for work. I have also very distinct memory, possibly even a little bit earlier, of when my eldest sister, Becky, got her first job. And I said to her, I put two and two together. I was like, Becky, I must have been about five at this point. I was like, Becky, um, you've just got a job, right? Yes, I do. Does that mean that they give you money? Yes, it does. Great. Can you please buy me some Lego? And she was like, uh, yes. And I was like, this is amazing. She's got a job. I'm getting some Lego. This is, I still have that Lego set and it's on my desk today. I don't know whether that's like a, a reminder of like generosity at work. I don't know what it is, but it's there nonetheless. My sister was, she didn't always buy me Lego, but it worked on that one occasion. So, you know, someone gets a new job. That's a good question to ask, I think. Can you buy me some Lego? So you might be able to say from that, that I was kind of entrepreneurial or greedy. I don't know (laughs) from a young age. I'm not too sure what you want to take away from that. But since then, I myself have had, like I think many people, a number of jobs. Some of them I've really enjoyed some of them less so. Uh, to start with, I had a paper round. I think the paper round, anyone else done a paper round ever in their life? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of like a rite of passage. You need to have done a paper round at some point. I did kind of like it, um, but then I got chased by a dog down the street in Henbury, and I didn't like that. Um, I also really didn't like the feeling when your fingers got snapped by one of those like stiff letterboxes. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you put your, it's the worst, isn't it? Very, very vivid memory as a young teenager putting your fingers in, just trying to push the letter thing and take them out really quickly before it would snap on you. I hated that feeling. My first job, um, my first actual job, um, when I was a little bit older, was at Boeing Soft Play. Yeah at Put Cribs Causeway. If you don't know what that is, that's a child's soft play area. I was a party host, or as Maddie liked to call me, a paid clown, um, which made me feel great. about. I didn't know Maddie at that point, but when she found out, she lapped it up. She absolutely loved that. Um, again, I kind of liked that job, but I, I couldn't cope with the constant like crying, tantrums, like sweaty terrible behavior from like the parents and the staff as well as the kids it was awful so boing soft play very grateful to leave that one behind i then went and worked at fat face for a little bit because i'm a christian and christians love wearing fat face right have you ever noticed that if you're at the back of church and you look forward you can see the little fat face symbol on the back of everyone's like checkered shirts that they're always and the hoodies always a thing um Someone in my family once famously thought when I said I was working with Fat Face, I was talking about a friend. No, it's actually just a place where you sell clothes. That was a famous mistake we made with that one. Again, I kind of liked that for the money, but I couldn't cope with the Christmas hours. If you've ever worked in retail at Christmas, it is absolutely unforgivable. I hated that. It was the worst. Then came a personal highlight for me, the gadget shop. Oh, man, I worked at a gadget shop for about three months. Um, and it was fantastic. I was flying helicopters, being played to pay, 
being paid to play with all this really fun stuff. I mean, that's a dream job, right? Well, it kind of was until I figured I think they were dodging tax and potentially in a legally set up shop. So I was like, okay, back to fat face I go. I, I left that place, didn't want to get caught up in anything. Um, stayed at Fatface for quite a while when I was at uh, college and at university. I'd occasionally come back and do that. And then I needed to save some money. So I worked at a call center. Ooh, the call center. I mean, that was, that was tough. I was so bored at the call center that I would bring in a Sudoku to play as I was on the phone. Uh, so I would be kind of talking to people about hiring an apprentice uh, while trying to figure out a Sudoku. I'm terrible at Sudokus. I, I don't know about you, but I'm awful at them. And that's basically all I took away from that job. Then I went on and I got my first ever real job as a paid youth worker at Resound Church in East Bristol. Um, and I made some amazing friends there. I loved my time at Resound Bristol. And literally the reason that I left, apart from being poached by Tim Dobson, was because I actually, I wanted to get back to the north of the city. Otherwise, I loved it there and really enjoyed my time. And that began my kind of time as a youth worker, which I actually ended up doing for many years. That's how I came to the community church about seven years ago, youth worker, um, with my wife, Maddie. Um, and I, again, I loved this role. But once I learned from Rory Davison that Crocs were becoming fashionable among young people, again, and that I would have to be spending more time with them, I decided it was time to change my role. So I told Dave, no more of this. Thank you very much. So I've now found my sweet spot. And I'm doing the role that I've been doing for the last few years, which is that I'm a church leader here at the community church. And I get to do that with some people that are great friends that I get to work with as well. But also, I run my own business as a graphic designer. Um, I've been doing that for a very long time, maybe since I was about 19, 20. I've been taking on kind of paid gigs in a self-employed fashion. And then eventually, it's become a business. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But that's my current work setup. So I split my time roughly 50-50, church leader, graphic designer. There you go. That's a little plotted history. Now, I wanted a quick sidebar here. You would think that as a church leader, all of my best kind of uh, evangelistic, sharing my faith, living it out moments would come from that employment. It hasn't. It hasn't. Shock horror, I know. When I worked in retail, I was probably having the least fun out of all the jobs I've ever done. But I was having the best conversations about faith in those moments. I was asked questions in these places of work, such as, what does the word salvation mean? I've heard it used at church. I haven't got a clue what it means. Why don't you swear? Everyone else here swears. I've been asked, so if you're a Christian, you're a virgin, right? That was funny. That was a great conversation. And then also, more recently, with my graphic design stuff, I've rebranded it under the name Barra Studio. And so I get asked, what does the name mean? And again, we'll talk about that later on. But in my life, all the good, I say all, a lot of the really good conversations, a lot of the really interesting relationships that have been developed, have been developed in really normal places of work, where I get to meet people from all different walks of life, different experiences, trying to figure out what this world and what this life is all about. But I always felt that there was a particular tension in my life, especially as I got into church work and I had this business that I was running on the side. I had a tension, and the tension was this. My faith very neatly fit into this nice box as a church leader, and it was very handy. So when people would say, what did you do on the weekend? I could say, I went to church, I'm a church leader, great way to start talking about faith. 
And I would always use it as my way to let people know early on, I'm a Christian, just so you know. That was always my kind of easy way in. I found it a very easy thing to do. And then they would say, okay, is that all you do? And I said, no, 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 I also I run a business, I'm a graphic designer. And I noticed that I had this tension because I always talked about them separately. And what also happened was that, you know, in the world of, you know, 21st century trying to find work, I'm doing things like setting up websites, I'm on social media, trying to, anyone who's a self-employed person understands the hustle. I'm trying to find work, trying to put my name out there so people will ask me to work for them. And I have to describe what I do. And for the longest time, I would ignore my faith in my descriptions about my design work because I didn't want to put anyone off. And so I would say, I'm a graphic designer, born and raised in Bristol, I've got all these skills, all this experience, never talked about my faith. I didn't want to weird anyone out. I didn't want any potential clients calling me and saying, uh, well, I'm not too sure about all this faith stuff. Uh, we're not about that. That's not important to us, so we're not going to work with you. I didn't want that drama, and I, so I just didn't. I didn't mention it. I never did, and that was a tension that I felt for a very, very long time. And then I discovered something called the two-word biography, Okay. And this is a method that I adapted to help find a little bit of a, a solution to this. And it's something you can all do here tonight in your seats. I want this as a little mental exercise for you. The two-word biography was taught to me by a chap called Chris Doe, who is a bit of a living legend uh, in the creative design sphere. And he said this, many times in life, you will find a schism within you, a sort of a separation. Uh, there are two parts of you that you feel are you know, stereotypically, they don't go together. And it makes you a little bit different. You often feel like you have to be one or the other. And there are stereotypes for them. And he says, what you can do is to find your superpower, the thing that makes you completely unique, there's nobody else that can do this in the world, is to look at the things that make you really different. Make a list of them. Draw them up into two columns. And then see if there are any pairings of those words that go together particularly nicely. And sometimes they can sound a little bit jarring. And so for this guy, his two-word biography, if you go onto LinkedIn, his little title to describe himself, my name is Christo, I'm a loud introvert. What a great biography, right? I'm a loud introvert. These two words that kind of are slightly jarring, and you wouldn't necessarily always put, you might know, a loud introvert, um, but they're slightly uh, conflicting, slightly different but what it does is it gives you this picture that this person is a unique individual. These two things about them that are skills that they are embracing. When I heard this, I thought, wait, you mean this whole time I didn't have to draw a wedge in between my faith and my creativity because that is what I had done. You mean I don't have to live this kind of double life? I can be both? And so I sort of went down this rabbit hole. Well, what would that look like? What does it mean to be someone who's really committed to creativity in all of its forms and being a man of faith? And actually, what I've figured out is that my two-word bio, a good way to summarize Matt Doherty as a person, is a pastoral creative or a creative pastor. Because these are two things in my life that I have feel both a sense of calling, a sense of this is who I am as a person, that are outside of a job spec. Um, I hope Mikey won't mind me saying this, but we were recently having a conversation, and Mikey felt slightly pigeonholed by the word teacher. And actually, I said to him, Mikey, I think this is just a description of who you are as a person. It doesn't. You could be in any job. You could work at McDonald's, and you could still be the sort of person that comes alongside, encourages, and helps people to get better, right? 
I know plenty of doctors who I would also say that outside of their role in a professional sense, they are people who are kind and uplifting and healing. And actually for them, being a doctor is much more than just the role. We have engineers, plenty of engineers at Community Church. I feel like everyone's either a doctor or an engineer at the Community Church. And those people are problem solvers. They work well in teams. They often have great leadership. Graham Harris. And, you know, there are, there are these skills that exist that are not just your job description, but they go outside of it. So what's your biography? What are the two things that make you completely unique, that sometimes would be jarring and work against each other, but actually you feel, this is who I am? Well, as a result of this discovery that, okay, maybe I am a creative pastor, I want to change what I do in my design business. I don't just want to be the designer who, and then is really quiet about going to church. I want to be loud and proud about this. So in 2022, I rebranded. It used to be Matt Doherty Design, and now it's Barra Studio. And here is why I did it. I did it because there are these incredible consequences when you embrace the power of art and the impact of the divine. My work is inspired by the conviction that God is a designer. And creativity can power positive change in the world. The beginning of the most famous creation poem ever comes from the book of Genesis. And who can tell me what the fifth word of the Bible is? Say it again. Create. Created. Make. In the beginning, God made. The fifth word in the original Hebrew is bara. Everyone say this, please. Bara. There's a slightly different pronunciation if you're a Hebrew scholar, but we're not going to get into that. And it means to make or to create. But the fullest meaning of this is to bring forth or to birth. And actually, it is something that only God can do. Only God can bara. But there is another word in the Bible, and we'll get to this later on. But to acknowledge that God made something out of nothing, this is a really profound claim. And actually, there are two consequences to this that shape all of my work, everything that I do. And I want to share these with you before we wrap up tonight. These are the two consequences to the reality that God made everything. The first one is this. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And that's because everything is filled with potential and with purpose. The very act of creating anything is participating in the original divine movement that started everything. Anytime you write a song, anytime you bake a cake, anytime you speak words into existence, you are mirroring that first act of creation that God used to set everything in. Whether you're designing the wing of a plane or creating a new medical procedure, or coming up with a new syllabus at school, you are creating and bringing forth, you are inspired by the divine. Later on in the same Hebrew text in Genesis 1, we see the word asa. Everyone say this, asa. And this means to make or create, but to do it with pre-existing materials. So you'll see that God, the word is used about what God does when he creates the garments for Adam and Eve, when he makes stuff out of something that already existed. And this for me was so, so helpful because I saw that my actions were, in a way, mirroring what God did at the beginning of creation, but I also saw that I was not, I couldn't take the glory for that. 
God had already created the thing, and my job was to make more, to make new, to make better with the materials that were given to me. So if the first consequence is that everything is spiritual, the second is this. We are closest to God when we create. Faith helps me to make sense of the world that I see around me. It is a world that is filled with goodness. It is a world that is designed a world full of possibility. And at the same time, faith helps me to make sense of the chaos, the hurt, and the injustice that we all see every single day. Faith explains my desire to preserve and to protect the planet. And I don't just see this world as an accident or a resource that is there for the taking. This is our home and we are accountable for it, we must care for it. And finally, faith provides the lens through which I view people. We are wonderful, walking contradictions of glory and shame, of divinity and dust, capable of greatness and of evil. But faith no longer, for me, is this separate thing. It is the lens through which I see everything. And I have been so empowered as a designer and as a creative to embrace faith for everything that I do. And I hope that tonight you will be encouraged to see that actually your faith can inspire every action that you take in your workplace, every action that you have at home, every action that you as an individual can take, there is a way for God to speak in and to give life to the things that you do. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for us, um, and then we're going to wrap up. Father God, we thank you for this truth, that you are the great creator You spoke this world into being, and it is indescribable, and it's uncontainable. Lord, we cannot fathom just how good this creation is. And Lord, I pray that for us tonight, we would be hyper-aware of the call on each and every single one of us to go on creating, to go on making and contributing in new and purposeful and wonderful ways. Lord, that in our roles at home, with our friendship groups at school and university, uh, whether we are lawyers or doctors, whatever we do, Lord, you are calling us to make a positive contribution in that space and to do it in a way that honors the divine creation. God, I pray that tonight we would all view people and planet and work through the lens of Jesus through him as a person and what he did, the inspiration that he is, but Lord, also through that original act of creation when you called things into being and you said, this is good. Lord, help us to be people who make stuff and call it good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.